Welcome everyone to the Spectrum of Health podcast. I'm Dr. Christine Schaffner, and it is an honor to introduce Julia Derby. We're going to be talking about her emergence into this butterfly experience and her journey, really having a miracle uh, with recovering from her cancer. So welcome, Julia. It's an honor to have you on the podcast. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. Oh, well, Julia, we met and you came to my clinic and, you know, you came with quite an advanced cancer by the time you came to my office. So why don't you just kind of share like your journey with breast cancer? How did you get diagnosed? What were you experiencing? And just kind of lead up to like how, like where you were by the time you walked into my office. Okay. In the, around August, 2020, was uh, in the bathroom and I lifted up my shirt. I didn't have a bra on because, you know, COVID and I was home all the time. So why wear a bra? Right. <laughs> and I noticed that one of my breasts was like twice the size of the other one. And it really surprised me. I didn't panic, but I did suspect maybe that's cancer, maybe not. And I went to this naturopath that was just kind of around the corner from me. I didn't really have a doctor at the time. And she was kind of like, oh, it looks like maybe something's not draining properly or something. And she had me do some castor oil packs and a few other things. I'm not really, I don't really remember because it was a while ago. But after about a month, with the help of Google, Dr. Google, I decided that this was cancer. So I, and it really didn't do very much except the books I had. I had um, Dr. V, a book about breast health from Susan Weed and a few other things. And I was just doing essential oils and taking supplements. I was at the same time, I had pretty much lost my entire community because I was kind of in the, I'm not going to get a vaccine camp or on the, uh, we're totally into vaccines. So I, um, I felt like I was very alone and I just, um, I just was really concentrating on trying to find friends and I wasn't telling anybody I had cancer. Because I was, I guess, ashamed. But eventually I found this uh, naturopath in Kirkland that I had been kind of, friend had mentioned her. And then I tried to find that, not a friend, but acquaintance. Tried to find that acquaintance. And I finally did. And I got the name of the person in Kirkland and I went. And uh, she said I was doing pretty well in terms of the treatments I was doing for myself. But she recommended a couple rounds of chemo, which really shocked me. The whole reason I was going to a naturopath was to avoid chemo. So I went to the oncologist, but I rejected his recommendation. I didn't get a biopsy. I didn't get a CT scan. And then I discovered German new medicine about it. But, uh, and I won't go into details, but basically the idea is that it's kind of more of a psychological shock that originates the cancer. And I learned about it on YouTube and I thought that losing all my friends was the shock. And so I thought finding friends was going to resolve it. So I, even though I went to that naturopath in Kirkland about four times, I eventually quit going because that's who I am. I never go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just got really mesmerized by this German new medicine. And I had this one person who was teaching me, you know, kind of remotely about it. And I was just thinking, I'm just going to heal this on my own and um, resolve this psychological conflict of having no friends and finding friends and that will resolve it and whatever. But it was just getting worse and worse and worse and worse. A lot of, I finally did find 
a tribe of friends that I could talk to, but I wasn't telling anybody that had cancer. And eventually this friend of mine, this male friend, was not having any of this. And he blasted me because he could, I had edema in my arm. He could tell that I was getting weaker. And I told him about the German new medicine. And he just thought, you need to see a real doctor. And he really pushed me. And it was right around the same time that I was going downhill fast. It's not so much what he said, but I looked at this website of this German new medicine teacher in Toronto, Canada, and looked at all her blogs. And the person that I was learning about new German new medicine from, she was calling a charlatan. So that kind of woke me up a little bit. And um, that's when I decided that, okay, I need to switch gears here. And I came to eminence and uh, Dr. Shane, and he recommended an oncologist. I thought at that point I had to have a mastectomy. It was so bad. And he recommended Dr. Chen, the same doctor that the original naturopath had recommended. I was a little embarrassed to go to that same doctor because it had been a year <laughs> since I rejected his uh, suggestions. But um, I went anyway. He was saying, what have you been doing in the past year? And I, I thought, oh, I didn't think you would remember me. And he goes, I have your records. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. But anyway, at that point, I was had gotten a little bit desperate. And so I was willing to do, I just made a 180 degrees turn and I was willing to do whatever he suggested. And he suggested chemo. So I started doing chemo. But in the meantime, I finally told this group of people that I had become friends with. We gathered once a month. It felt like a confession. I finally confessed that I was on this cancer journey and they just jumped in to support me. And this was a big lesson I had to learn. I have, was not a ask for help kind of person. I realized in that moment that not only was asking for help helping me, but it was helping them. It was making them feel good and completing their world. And it was very bonding experience. And it was just asking for help is a miracle. <laughs> in and of itself. So with their help, I started doing the some healing circles based on Lynn, Lynn McTaggart's work of Circle of Eight. did about four of those. But I wasn't really improving physically. I was still going downhill. But I was still having miracles all the time. Like um, I showed up for an appointment a day late, but it turns out they were able to fit me in anyway. Uh, you know, Different people would show up just when I needed help for something and different things like that happened. So it was, um, even though physically I was sort of going downhill still, I was still feeling all these miracles happening and I was able to maintain this really good attitude. And I was telling them the butterfly story. That was my theme. My other theme was my kick in the butt theme, which was um, I had this notion that Prior to getting cancer, well, let me just say that one of the reasons I'm not afraid of cancer is because for me, I don't think it's a a matter of uh, an issue of dying. I think it's an issue of waking up. So I knew there was something I needed to change, something I needed to wake up to. I realized that prior to discovering this cancer, I was kind of in limbo in my life and not really sure what my purpose was and just feeling like. I needed a kick in the butt from the universe. 
So got that kick in the butt. <laughs> <laughs> to say the least, right? <laughs> I know, Julian, it, it's just amazed me. It amazes me. Like we, we met each other, um, you know, so I'm so glad you connected with Dr. Shane and went back to Dr. Chen and just, you know, had that support there. But you came to my office, right? And I got to see you and I don't treat cancer per se, but I just for the listeners to kind of hear kind of the state you're in. So but we were going to just check in and what can I do to support you while you're going through this, you know, journey. And, you know, you you had a very advanced cancer, you know, your cancer was stage four, metastatic, you were full of edema, you at one point had a collapsed lung, you were on oxygen. I said this offline, but I'll, I'll say this here, you know, I was just amazed by you had like no fear, right? And, you know, the, when you're like trained as a doctor, you're like, oh, is this patient in denial? You know, you have to go through that kind of stuff. But, you know, you just had this no fear. And then you know, I, I just remember distinctly, I, I share this with you that I was like, well, this is going to have to take a miracle, but hey, we believe in miracles and I'm not going to be any impedance to Julia having a miracle because that is what is going to be needed. And she seems pretty open to it, you know? So, so I just remember having that distinct thought and, you know, so, so tell us more. So you're doing an awesome job. So you, you know, you have this journey of kind of exploring, you know, all these different treatments, you do decide to go get chemo. Eventually you're doing the healing circles and tell us what happens next. Well, I, I just want to add one more thing about the German new medicine, Yeah, which was the person that I was learning about it from mostly. She also had a like a Q&A Zoom thing with her partner. And that was really about your thoughts creating rea your reality. And so I was learning that mindset. And that was really helping as well, because I, as long as I wasn't in this fear state or worried about dying or anything like that, but there was more, I was more in this healing state and looking to the future and realizing that I was controlling my reality, I think that helped a, a ton. Even though the German New Medicine itself didn't really help my cancer so much. And I got to the point where it was recommended that I just have a mastectomy. The mindset part was super helpful. So yeah, so then I had all these, had this edema, my legs felt like they weighed about 60 pounds each. I had to use a scarf as a sling to get my legs in the bed. <laughs> and uh, my, I had a sister who's in North Carolina who came out to stay with me. And that was a miracle in and of itself, especially since we're both in our 60s and have never gotten along. <laughs> but she was in her element, her nursing element. She was just on purpose and she was just totally there for me. And I had a lot of issues going on. My legs started leaking, one of my legs from the edema. And I had, you know, this explosive burning diarrhea and then I couldn't eat. I had no appetite and just the thought of food would make me feel ill. And we were just, everything was problem solving, problem solving, problem solving. We did it together and it was just, she was there for about six weeks. And it was just miraculous how amazingly well we got along. I eventually got this chair that helped me stand up because I couldn't even walk. I couldn't drive. Um, I had to get rides to the chemo, and I was on oxygen. And eventually, 
my oxygen got so low that I ended up in the hospital. And that, that was because I think the water in my lungs, I was in the hospital and I sort of atrophied while I was in the hospital about 10 days and I had to have a urine catheter and I couldn't walk. And then I, I didn't want to do chemo anymore. That was like, ah, yeah, <laughs> no, thank you. Right? So I wanted to go to a rehab center and get stronger. That was kind of my thing. And so I went to this rehab place, but wasn't really that helpful. At first, I was in quarantine for the first couple of weeks. So that was extremely boring. I mean, I've never been that bored in my entire life. I was stuck in this room. I couldn't move. Food would not arrive soon enough. And it wasn't good food anyway. I did have a physical therapist, but he wasn't very pushy. He was nice. But if I was like, oh, I don't really feel like doing this today, he'd go, okay, I'll come back later. And so I wasn't really getting much out of it. And I was really, you know, just sleeping a lot. And that's when I was actually starting to wonder if I was going to make it. What I did was I never was afraid. I was just in this neutral phase. And then I remembered this blog post I read about surrendering. I did that as well. Not surrendering in the sense of giving up, but in the sense of just allowing what is to be. I think that was the turning point. Talk about the butterfly story and the goo that the butterfly eventually, the caterpillar turns into this goo. All during the, the trials and tribulations of the edema and the chemo side effects and not being able to walk and having this catheter and everything. I was just like, is this the goo part? Is this the goo part? I mean, this is pretty bad. Is this the goo part? But it wasn't until I, and I think it was when I finally did that surrender piece where I was just completely goo. And then I don't know what happened, but I started like wanting to sit up more and I got my sister to help me do some arm exercises so I could kind of shift around in bed. And um, I started eating a lot of protein shakes and uh, I had this medication that uh, improved my appetite to the point I was ravenous all the time, which was kind of, which was pretty good because I was so skinny. I was worried that I had cachexia and uh, that, that I wouldn't recover from that, but I did. And, uh, eventually I got sent home from the rehab place to hospice. Now in my mind, Hospice did not mean you're going to die. Hospice meant we have these services. You can't get treatment for your illness, but there's a nurse that will do wound care, and there's another nurse that will wash you, and you'll get a physical therapist every once in a while. And, you know, I had a hospital bed, and my sisters, my other sister was there by now, and they were both changing my diapers because I couldn't even get up and go to the bathroom, but I didn't see it as a death sentence still. Wow. It's like, wow. Um, I mean, that's pretty profound to like think, Oh, hospice is just like this other level of care in my home. Not what happens when you're at end of life. Right. When I know, I, know. I, just, I don't know why that didn't occur to me, but it just didn't occur to me that that's what hospice was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Another service. Yeah. Like this Medicare stuff's great. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's the stories we tell ourselves about our experiences, right? You know? I hated health insurance my whole life. And then I had to do Medicare. And I'm like, oh, my God. 
I'm never going to use it, but I use it a lot. It was really helpful. My train of thought. So you were in hospice, right? So now you're probably other sisters here because they're probably telling you, but they're thinking you might be at your end of life, right? Oh yeah. They totally thought I was dying. Yeah. They started clearing out my house of decluttering my house, kind of get a head start on it. (laughs) (laughs) All my treasures I was keeping for projects. You know, I didn't know that was happening. I had no idea. I was was pretty out of it, but I mean, not completely out of it, but I just wasn't paying attention to that part of what they were doing it because they were sort of doing it behind my back in a way. I still have a little forgiveness piece I need to work on. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you're, you're going to be doing new projects, right? (laughs) Yeah. I'm already getting, uh, restocked with some of the, my project materials that they got rid of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I just started getting stronger. And then the occupational therapist one day, uh, the first time he came by, he taught me how to stand up from the side of the bed, which I had gotten to the point where I was afraid to do that because I was so unstable and I hadn't, you know, stood up much at all or walked or anything. And he had me, you know, put my head in a certain position and my feet in a certain position and my arms and hands in a certain position and stand up. And I just practiced that to where I could stand up really easily and use a walker to get around. I also had a wheelchair that was provided by Medicare. And uh, so that was pretty easy. My house is not huge, but it was big enough for me to maneuver around in a wheelchair. And um, I just started doing my own cooking every once in a while. and using the walker and, oh, this is kind of a little, uh, this is for those parents that talk about their kids poop all the time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I was having to get my diaper changed constantly. And it was just very difficult to evacuate, you know, on my side, like lying down on my side. And, uh, and so my body started wanting to just go to the toilet and be vertical. And so finally I forced myself to do that. I had this massive poop. Sister was uh, helping me and um, I mean, you know, standing by and she said, what is that thing hanging down your leg? (laughs) It was the catheter. I just sort of popped out at the urine catheter and it was at night and we could have called somebody from hospice to come put it back in. But I said, no, let me just, Put on a pair of Depends and just sleep through the night, see what happens. Because I was also feeling the urge to urinate, which I had in a long time. And uh, so I did urinate quite a bit and the Depends worked. And uh, after that, I didn't use the catheter anymore and I was able to get up and use the toilet. So I didn't have all the diaper changing anymore, which was quite a relief for my sisters, I'm sure. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. One for you too, right? You know, it's just like, yeah. It was nice to have a regular poop. (laughs) (laughs) So, so Julia, so you're still in hospice. You're still like, you know, you're, but you're getting stronger. You know, you're not, you know, you're not going the other way. So were you doing any like group healing at this time? I mean, were you doing... Like walk us through like where you were in your group healing journey. Were you still doing coherence? Have you done a coherence healing yet? Did you just do a healing intention circles with your friends? Where were you in that process? Okay, for so for the in the healing circles, so I did about four with my friends before I even started the chemo or anything like that. 
then it was hard to schedule it. So we sort of abandoned that. And then, um, so I did do, I think Eminence reached out to me for a couple of the noon ones that Kim Traeger was doing. And then Jasmine reached out for the Joe Dispenza one. And that was around the same time that I was getting stronger and walking and sitting up. And, so, so some people don't even know what we're talking about, right? Because, you know, we're, we're in our bubble here, right? So, you know, the, you know, Lynn McTaggart is one thing, right? And we do our intention circles um, at Eminence based on her work. And then there's Dr. Joe Dispenza and a lot of my community knows I'm like down that rabbit hole and really interested in this work because I see people, I've seen more miracles in this community than any other community I've seen. So I'm, I'm super intrigued, right? So, you know, the universe, you know, um, is so lovely and introduced me to Jasmine and Jasmine is, and does her discovery calls, right? So she helps us with our new patient process. And, you know, God bless her. She, you know, is a volunteer for one of these coherence, you know, circles, one of the authorized Dr. Dispenza coherence circles. So she does, she just prays for, you know, she does this work morning to night, you know, around her work and having a kid and she just, you know, that kind of person. And so... So she, you know, I had known, you know, through the community, like that was something, you know, you could do, but, you know, people can sign up, but Jasmine kind of had a in because she had, and she knew when there would be like emergency blocks when people were, you know, a little bit more needing support and can get on the list. And so, you know, all of, you know, the whole office, it's just kind of how we're wired. We all, um, you know, we're really concerned and wanting to make sure we could do anything that we knew how to, you know, to help you. And so, so Jasmine invited you, right. To be part of one of the miracles. So, so you it did many, many, many miracles. Yeah. Heard for me was Jasmine reaching out to me. Yeah. 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 And so, so you were at home, you were in hospice setting so just like, we don't have to belabor this, but like walk us through. So you had the first one. And do you think that that was a turning point where you started to get the energy to like start going to the toilet on your own? I think it's possible, but I don't really have good data about the exact dates when I did this and that. I think that that was part of the turning point for sure. Yeah. So then walk us through. So right now you're like, okay, now going to the bathroom on your own, but you're in hospice still. So, so what happens next? Well, I, I just started, um, yeah, feeling like, like I needed to sit up when I ate, sit up straight instead of being sort of partially reclined. And then I was building strength in my arms. I was noticing that I wasn't using my cannula the oxygen all the time during the daytime, I was still using it at night. And I was definitely learning to ask for help. I have some friends that didn't even need to ask. They would just volunteer to do things. But I had somebody who was uh, arranging for people to come over and share meals with me and things like that. So that was these kind of more social things were perking me up and being able to walk and being able to cook my own food. And I still couldn't, I still didn't have the strength or the wherewithal to do a bunch of dishes or laundry or anything like that. But my sisters, before they left, hired a caretaker. And so I had somebody who was 
doing all the laundry and changing the sheets and bringing me my meds, which was mostly supplements. <laughs> and what are they thinking at this point? Like, they're like, okay, I guess we're going to go home. I mean, they had to return to their They life. had to go home. They, they yeah. both had stuff to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're like, we'll be back, but we got to go now. Uh, and so they left me in the hands of this caretaker. It was actually three or four caretakers from the same company at first, but then eventually I sort of narrowed it down to the, just this one person. And uh, she was great. And then I did have this one setback. So she was, she, I had a wheelchair. So she would take the wheelchair down to the sidewalk. I had a few steps to deal with. I could walk a little bit. So we'd walk for about, a, I'd walk for about a block or two blocks. And then I'd get in the wheelchair and she'd push me around just to be outside. And, and then one time, just in a split second, the wheelchair went off the curb and crashed into the street while I was in it. And I couldn't walk. When we got, I, and I was in shock and I was able to get back in the wheelchair. You know, when you're in shock, you kind of don't feel anything. So I was able to get back in the wheelchair and we went back to my house. But um, when I got out of the wheelchair, I couldn't stand on one of my legs. And I literally crawled up the stairs, <laughs> up the first set of stairs. And then I'm like, okay, I got to call 911. So I did, which I'd done before. There's a couple other times that I had kind of fallen in my house, not really fallen, like slipped out of a chair, really. So I knew these handsome, hunky firemen would show up. <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough, they did. And they lifted me up and took me inside to my hospital bed. Um, but I couldn't walk for a month. It was uh, I just started walking. It had torn or pulled uh, ligaments in my groin was the main problem. But also my hips were out, were got knocked out of alignment. But I have a chiropractor friend who came over and gave me some adjustments. Then um, turns out, I didn't know this, but when I got my CT scan from about four weeks ago back, it also said that my fractured pubic bone and fractured sacrum were healing. I didn't even know I'd done that because I since I couldn't walk, I wasn't like trying to go get an x-ray. And did you have metastasis in your bones that you were yeah. with? And I still have a little tiny bit yep. there because I think that takes a really uh, much longer time to heal the bones. But that was reduced. The CT scan said those were very, very reduced. So just, so, I mean, yeah. like, we'll pause for a moment. So someone who has stage four metastatic cancer getting better but kind of fractures, you know, their bones, it still gets better. You know, they're, they're not, you know what I mean? Like that, I mean, that's a big, you know, like that's not just like a, a thing we gloss over, right? You know? Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I could have broken my hip. Oh, totally. Just fractured, you yeah. know, I mean, mostly it was soft tissue injury. Yeah, yeah. And, um, I, I attribute that to, I've always been, well, maybe not always, always, but most of my life I've been a pretty healthy eater, very conscious about eating pretty healthy. And my tendency is sort of meat and vegetable, kind of paleo, keto-y kind of, kind of thing. And I don't eat much in the way of bread or pasta or bagels or muffins or cookies and that kind of thing. And I, I think that's been really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Diet. My health. Yeah. Yeah. When would you say like, you really kind of made that leap back into life? Like what was like the kind of pivotal, I know healing is a 
journey, you know what I mean? And I think there's a, you know, it's a process and you know what I mean about leap back, like, like you were kind of more functional, more on your own, more on, you know, like not that you have like, you know, all these people, you know, supporting you, like you would as a stage four cancer patient. Right. Yeah. I think, I think where I was really, if this is what your question is, where I was really feeling like I was recovering was, um, after the wheelchair accident and, um, it was about a month before I could really walk. And uh, again, the uh, occupational therapist, he came and visited me and he encouraged me to not use crutches, but to use the walker because that was more of a natural walking motion, to use the walker instead of crutches. And I think it was when I started walking again was when I was like, okay, I can get in a car. And by that time, my, I had gained a, a bunch of weight. In fact, I was skinnier and then it turns out my jeans wouldn't zip up anymore. <laughs> it's a good thing. Yeah, I gained a lot of weight. Yeah. <laughs> my arms stronger so I could push myself out of any chair. And I was ready to start um, doing some kind of treatments, whether it was just IV vitamin C or back to chemo or whatever it was. So I had to revoke hospice. And, um, how often does that happen? And they probably don't give anyone the st stats, but how many, you know, like, I, I wonder, like, how often, if they know, like, how common it is to revoke hospice. I don't think it's very common. It does occur. They did suggest that some people graduate from hospice, but I didn't really get any uh, percentages of, of yeah, it. I'm it's very yeah. Much. yeah, but that's big, right? When you were um, injured, you know, did you have a coherence healing while you were injured? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure I did. Yeah. But yeah. I, said, I don't really remember the details of when this happened and when that happened, but and that's okay. I'm quite sure. I, I'm quite sure I did. Yeah. I think the, definitely think the coherence helped with my lungs. Mm -hmm. And what was interesting was um, back to the, my original circle of eight friends, yeah. the uh, intention we had even though it wasn't really working in the moment where yeah. I was, I was kind of getting sicker and the intention was to breathe easier, to have more vitality, to get stronger. And there was one more, I remember there were four and I can't remember what the fourth one was, but all of that occurred eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Even yeah. before I started the coherent stuff. Yeah. It, it took a while. Yeah. And there, and there's these, you know, and I am so glad you've had these experiences because I am, you know, curious in my own understanding too. So I'm, I'm part of a co um, intention circle. I do one of Lynn McTaggart's classes and then they kind of pair you up. And then I've been in this intention circle for more or less three years. And, and I would say that, you know, like, that's my experience. It's like, not as like, okay, like uh miraculous and like, okay, things happen quickly, but I think we've had some pretty cool things happen in the circle. And then in my own life, I feel like, you know, there's just like, I've gone through a lot in the last three years myself. And it's just like, you know, just kind of this, like the right things happen at the right time in spite of it all kind of feeling, you know, so it's different. And then like the coherence. So like, you know, the intention circles are you're like coming up with your own intention. You have a group of people helping you bring that into the, into life. Coherence healings are really like directing really powerful 
energy of love right at that person. So they're just kind of like a vessel for divine love to come through them. And, you know, they direct it to you, you know? And so I think they're like, they work really well together, but they're slightly kind of different. So, you know, what I, I want people to hear is like, through this healing process, you know, like you had stopped chemo, <laughs> you know, you were healing at home and, you know, you got strong enough to then embark on whatever your decision was for treatment at that time. But bring us to like healing from, you know, that injury to kind of like where you are now. Like, I don't know that time, like how long is that um, time elapsed now? So my wheelchair accident was at the beginning of September. Okay. And so all through the month of September, I couldn't, I could pretty much couldn't walk. Okay. But then, you know, October, November, December, January, whatever we are, we're in January, I've been steadily improving. I could stand to do a little more exercise. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and continue practicing, asking for help. Yep. Other than that, I'm continuing to improve. I started walking my neighbor's dog again. I'd been doing that until I just couldn't didn't have the energy to do it anymore. And so she's, she's very, very old. And so we're pretty well matched in terms yeah. of how far we go. <laughs> and, oh, uh, you, I mean, but you have like those legs that you felt like were 60 pounds. Yeah. The edema cleared up. I did take medication for it, a diuretic. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, that the diuretic is just kind of finishing the job. You know what I mean? It's not, you know what I mean? It's not, it won't work if it's just, you know, you know, there's a lot of damage. And stuff. Yeah. So that, and then your lungs, because we talked about one of your lungs had collapsed and then they had drained the fluid and you got some function back, but there's even more improvement, you know, right? With um, your lung function now, anything to comment there? Um, well, I just, just the surprise that, this left lung could even re-expand. Yeah. I, uh, to me, that's another miracle. It's like. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, and that, I, I attribute that to the coherent circles. Yeah. I just don't see any other way that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So, so then bring us up to speed. Like, where are you now? Like, what, what's going on? I did go back to Dr. Chen. Uh, he was, he was very um, encouraging, you know, to. Uh, start treatment again. He actually called me a few times, you know, just called me up personally and talked. And I, I said, well, I'll do treatment as long as it's super gentle. And I had read his book and I knew that he had gentle approaches. And so it was just this um, shot in my thigh every three weeks that was a, a monoclonal antibody. And then he examined me and there was still some issues. I had these weird bumps underneath my breast and, you know, just, just I don't know. He just said, I think I'm going to add a chemo to your treatment. And, uh, so I talked to this other naturopath and they had them muscle test remotely. And they said, yeah, that's fine to add that. Uh, yeah. As I said, there were some side effects for about a week or so in kind of in the middle yeah. of the three weeks, mm -hmm. but they were pretty mild. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, like, this is a place where, you know, Dr. Chen is a Seattle oncologist who has a very a unique approach, right? So he's, you know, he thinks through his protocols, and he kind of really individualizes them. And, you know, so what you've decided to kind of share with the listeners is like, okay, you're, you can't, I mean, like, your physical body is in such a stronger state. 
and your cancer is very kind of treatable right now, like in your world, you know, so he, you know, I'm sure I, I haven't talked to him and I don't want to speak for him, but I think he's probably saying, well, let's just kind of like finish the job and just get this behind you, you know? Yeah, what I mean? exactly. Yeah. And the last yeah. time I talked to him, which is just a you know, few days ago when I had my treat, last treatment, he actually examined me again and all those weird little bumps that had been underneath had cleared up. I'm like, okay, this is working. I'll do yeah. it again. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. And you're in the driver's seat, right? Yeah. You know, so yeah. It's- yeah, I can always say I don't want to do it anymore. And he'll go along with that. He does not fear monger. That's one of the things I appreciate him about him so much is he doesn't make me, you know, feel like I have to worry about anything. And, and that's the heart, you know, I think that's the biggest, you know, uphill battle for a lot of people, you know, um, in de- dealing with the cancer journey that they feel very disempowered and that there's very limited choice, you know, in their journey. And again, I don't treat cancer, but just kind of on observation, you know, and, but, you know, I, I'm just like so grateful, first of all, about this, so many miracles <laughs> that you've gotten to experience. And, you know, I, I really knew if anyone was going to do it, you were. So I just, you know, I'm, I'm so happy to see you on the other end. And I want people to hear like, you know, healing is like this very interesting, dynamic, nonlinear experience. And there's a place for everything, right? And, you know, what I think the intention circles and the coherence healings do are uh, profound. And I think they, especially in this example, the coherence healing really, you know, strengthen you and fortifying you. And then I think what you're really educating us is there's a time for everything, but is it your choice, you know, matched to your bio-individuality and, you know, are you strong enough um, and ready enough to do it? And do you feel the support of the divine, you know, in this whole process, right? Um, And so I just, you know, you, 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 I, I just really am grateful that you're on the podcast because I know there, there are a lot of people who are, whatever they're struggling with, whether they have long haulers or MS or, you know, cancer, or, you know, whatever we're all called to work through. My desire from this conversation was just to honor their, your miracles, but also to open people up, but this way of thinking. And I'd love to, you know, wrap Julia and really what you want people to know and what you would like people to hear from this profound wisdom that you've gained from me. <laughs> <laughs> my wisdom. Yeah. You've got it. You've got it, Julia. <laughs> okay. Well, as I said, one of the biggest lessons I learned was to ask for help, ask for support. And it's so bonding to the, you know, yourself and the person you're asking. It creates community. It's just a very, very re- rewarding experience. And even though a lot of us are chicken, ask for help, and I can do it myself and all that kind of stuff, it's actually better than to remain so independent. That's the big thing. And then the other thing is just to maintain this attitude of, you know, I'm just going to keep putting one foot in front of me and solve this problem and solve that problem. And, you know, um, I, I believe that there's many, 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 many things that people can do to help with their cancer. And you just have to follow your intuition. And for me, the healing circles was just a really big component of my healing. 
easy, you know, it doesn't take a lot of effort. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? You get to lay down, you know, <laughs> you can do them remotely. Soaking yeah. yourself in gratitude. <laughs> yeah, right. Totally. And receiving, right? Yeah. You're receiving. Mm-hmm. You're in receptive mode. Yeah. So, yeah. So those are my two biggest lessons. And, uh, you know, just, I, I'm a, I'm a strong believer in, um, you know, being conscious of what you're eating. I think that helped a lot, a lot. I mean, I'm not perfect. I eat a slice of pizza every once in a while. And I was just today craving onion rings. I didn't never get any, but yeah, I was thinking yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you, you treat yourself to some onion rings when you want yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, well, um, well, thank you so much, Julia, for sharing your story. And I mean, is there anything, I mean, do you, where do you think this, is there any reflections on when you're kind of on the other side of this cancer, like um, what life looks like for you? Well, you know, I'm, I got really interested in this whole notion of intentional communities and uh, permaculture and growing your own food and that kind of thing. So as I get stronger, I'm focusing more on trying to find some kind of community like that, that I can uh, be part of and would have changed my lifestyle. I want to be in nature more. I love nature and nature is a guide for me. And, and that's another, I guess that's another lesson that I, well, I already knew, I already had this lesson in my mind, which is that nature's, our body's state is to be healing. Nature's state is to be healing. That um, following nature is kind of a high priority for me in terms of how I go about living. Yeah, yeah. Just Aww. trusting my body is wanting to be healed. Yep. You know, all the things I had, all those you know, my skin got really weird and scaly and I, my taste buds were got all messed up and everything, all of that stuff. I knew that it would clear up eventually. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. And that's huge because you can easily think other thoughts. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah I could think, oh, I'm going to be stuck like this forever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I really believe that my, I just believe in my body. I believe my body wants to be healed. Yeah. Well, I so appreciate your time and I so appreciate uh, you teaching me and you uh, really, and you opening um, us all up uh, to what's possible. This is like a whole next level of what's possible. I just am in immense gratitude towards you. And I'm just so excited that you got to share your story. And for anyone who's listening out there, please, you know, please, you know, just Julia gave some really amazing advice. So um, yeah. you know, please take there's, that in. There's two books I want to mention. Yeah. One of them is one I read a long time ago. My brother had cancer in 2011. And this is when I first read this book called Cancer as a Turning Point. It was looking at cancer as a, a psychological thing where um, people ha- were not living some aspect of their life. And that was mm-hmm. causing them to have this cancer issue. And uh, it was written by a psychologist, very interesting book. And then much more recently, I read Radical Remission, which I highly recommend, book that's very inspiring. And then I read several other things in between, but those two seminal books for me. Yeah. You should call Dr. Turner and tell her she should study you. Yeah. <laughs> You'll be in her next book. All right. Yeah. The Healing Circle book. Yeah, totally. <laughs> the Healing so, Circle chapter. Yeah. Well, 
Julia, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And it's just um, such a joy to be in your presence today. So thank, thank you so much. Thank you all for listening to the Spectrum of Health podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversation today with Julia Derby. Wasn't that remarkable? And if you want to learn more about intention circles, we're doing them every Friday at Eminence Health, uh, 12 to 1. Um, you can attend via Zoom and Jasmine is leading them. And if you want to learn more about Dr. Dispenza's coherence healings, please check out his website and you can learn how to sign up and experience one yourself. Have a beautiful day.